2: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live. My name is Leslie Hendrickson. I'm a reporter with Mansion Global. Today with me is Danielle Hale, Chief Economist of Realtor.com, and Marshall Pickett and Laura Livaday, who are both agents at North Carolina's Investor Jackson, which is part of Christie's International Real Estate. Welcome, Danielle, Marshall, and Laura.
0: Thank you.
3: Thank you. Great to be here.
2: Yeah, thanks again. Um, We're all here to talk about the luxury segment of the Wall Street Journal Realtor.com Emerging Housing Markets Index and the top two destinations on that index, which were Wilmington and Nashville, both in North Carolina. Before we start, just a reminder to the audience that you can ask questions, so please um, ask those and we'll get to them at the end. Danielle, I wanna start with you. I'd love to get an introduction to what the index actually is and its methodology.
1: Sure, absolutely. So at a really high level, the Wall Street Journal, Realtor.com, Emerging Housing Markets Index, which is a bit of a mouthful. um, It's a collaboration between the Wall Street Journal and Realtor.com where we aim to identify the best markets for home purchases. We're leveraging Realtor.com's real estate insights, looking at the balance of supply and demand, as well as recent price trends to get a sense of which housing markets are doing well And then we're complementing that with business and market data insights pulled together by the Wall Street Journal team. And this includes things like the local unemployment rate, wages, cost of living, um, things to do in an area like small businesses and amenities, commute time. Uh, We also look at the share of foreign born in an area and effective real estate taxes to really get a whole sense of how dynamic and livable these communities are. We do this at the median level for the top 300 markets in the country. And then we also run a curated list of 60 luxury markets. And so, as you mentioned, we're talking about the luxury list here today. Um, And and that's basically what we're trying to do. Identify places where you'd want to live, where the real estate market says that your investment is going to do well.
2: Great, thank you for that. So what factors have made so many Sunbelt cities and the Sunbelt is, you know, this huge swath of of Southern part of the country between Florida and California. What's made those cities so appealing and rank so highly on the index?
1: Yeah, this quarter's list was really interesting. So in in the main market, the overall number one area was um, Rabbit City, South Dakota, which is not in the Sunbelt. But in the luxury market, the Sunbelt really stood out. So number one, um, the number one market is a beach town in North Carolina, Wilmington, North Carolina. And the number two market also in North Carolina is a mountain town in Asheville. um, And Charlottesville is number three. So areas on the south, we saw other areas in Florida um, and across the Sunbelt really well represented on the list. Many of these markets have drawn in residents because people have a lot of flexibility now that they maybe didn't have before. They're less Tied to living where their job is um, than they've ever been before. And people have taken advantage of that to relocate and to relocate to areas that have great quality of life. As I mentioned, a beach town and a mountain town are on top of the list, so looking for outdoor activities. And then, of course, a lot of these areas have lower effective taxes um, than some of the higher tax areas that people are often leaving. And in a um, in an era where the SALT deductions, state and local tax deductions are limited, that is also um, a nice bonus in addition to all the other quality of life factors that make these areas really enjoyable. Right.
2: Right. So there's been a lot of talk about migration, especially from higher tax areas, higher cost of living areas, and cities like San Francisco, New York City, LA, is that still happening? And do you think that will continue?
1: So the data suggests that yes, we are still seeing people look um, outside of these major metros. Interestingly, some of the recent cross-market demand data shows that some people are are going back to these cities, particularly the DC area and New York City. Um, But I think it's fair to say there's a a bit of two-way travel. Um, when it comes to real estate shopping, people are looking back and forth, um, maybe keeping a small place in the city and then also having a place to retreat to um, as they're able. So, um, so yes, there is a lot of real estate cross market traffic. We're continuing to track that in the data.
2: Great. And what about inventory? Um, you've talked recently about the real estate refresh and how inventory is starting to grow again after record lows but obviously there are still issues can you talk a little bit about that
1: yeah so the real estate refresh is relative relative to a year ago we are starting to see more homes available for sale but relative to before the pandemic we still are looking at half as many homes for sale so it really depends on what your comparison point is if you've been shopping for the last year or so You might see more options than you have over that time frame. If you've been shopping for a couple years or if the last time that you were shopping for real estate was two or more years ago, it's still going to feel like there aren't very many homes available for sale. And then, of course, depending on what market you're in, you're going to experience different local conditions. So um, it really is relative. But we're starting to see more homes available for sale. That is a good sign for buyers who have had to contend with really not very many options for sale um, in the housing market over the last couple of years.
2: Great. Thank you. Um, so, Marshall, I want to turn to you. Wilmington, as we said, was the number one luxury locale on the index. So what are your clients looking for when they visit the city and, and where are they coming from? Are they local? Or are they coming from other regions and states?
3: So our clients are all looking for a bunch of different Things. You know, we have some clients that want to come to live just on Riceville Beach, and we have some clients that want to be in a gated community country club. Um, but the one underlying factor that all of our clients are looking for is proximity, closeness, and accessibility. You know, you can fly into Wilmington International Airport, and you can be at Riceville Beach in 10 minutes. Um, and you can be on Figure Eight Island, which is an exclusive island where housing prices still only last year averaged $6 million. But you have a fully gated community there then you have a community called landfall which is a mile and a half from Riceville beach and the prices are still under a million and a half dollars so you know we kind of offer a vast variety of options but all extremely close to the airport so the wealthy can actually get in and out of town extremely easily great
2: thank you and um what changes have you seen in the Wilmington market most recently this quarter? But, you know, obviously we've had a crazy two years. So how's the ride been for you?
3: So it's a, it's a two part question, right? Because we are here to talk about luxury. But I, I do feel that luxury and, you know, homes priced under, let's say, four to 500000 that fuels the economy as well. Um, within the luxury market, we're seeing some inventory pop up, but it's going under contract extremely fast, you know, in landfall particular where I live gated community a mile and a half from the beach, you know, the hot homes, they're not lasting more than six days on the market. Um, the uptick was maybe 20%, but you're talking about, you know, 14 homes to 17 homes, right? So it's not very much. You drop down into the lower price point areas. We're seeing again, probably 20, 30% uptick over a year ago. Um, and the sell-through isn't as high as it was. But again, it's case-by-case basis because people are pushing their budgets, they're pushing the market, they're pushing the boundaries. And houses that need some work aren't selling, but houses that are fully renovated and don't need a lot of work are still blowing off the shelves with you know, 10, 15, 20 offers, right? So it, it's case-by-case basis, but I would say if your home looks good, doesn't need a lot of work in the lower end price point, it's going to sell extremely fast. The luxury market's a little bit different because some people want to personalize and make those homes their own. So we actually can see almost bidding wars on a well-priced home that needs three or $400,000 worth of work. And somebody that doesn't need a lot of work, sometimes those price points actually don't sell quite as fast. So again, it's case by case basis, but overall, we're not really seeing any softening in the market when it comes to Sales price, it might slow down a little bit as in contracts, but the prices are still holding strong. And depending on the price point, some prices are still actually rising.
2: Gotcha. You talked a little bit about the kinds of uh, properties that people are looking for. Are there any must have amenities in Wilmington?
3: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people move here, they want to play golf, right? Or tennis and this and that. And um, Danielle probably knows about this too. You know, during the pandemic, you know, Golf was a huge thing that a lot of people wanted. Um, and this is a, an issue all across the United States is golf courses are two, three, four, five year wait list. Um, so that's something that people want, but we can't always offer that in every town. So then the secondary option is boating and beach, which everyone loves to do or most people love to do. And that you don't have a wait list for, right? Like you could just go boating so people can come enjoy the lifestyle while we're waiting on the membership. So we kind of offer the best of both worlds.
2: Gotcha, thank you. So um, what about you, Laura? Of course you work in the mountains of North Carolina in and around Asheville,
0: which mm-hmm. is the second
2: spot on our list. What draws buyers to that area? And are you finding that they're local or they're coming from, from out of state?
0: Um, so it's the quality of life of Asheville. It's the weather, we have great weather. We have four distinct seasons and So we have a lot of draw because of the weather. Um, We have great affordable um, real estate in the luxury market. Um, We're considered the most affordable affiliate out of the Christie's International Network. So um, our housing is still affordable and we still have some inventory that um, gives buyers options. Um, Our buyers are coming from out of state and we're mainly getting Um, Originally, we would have buyers from New York and Florida, and that would be our main segment of buyers. But now we're seeing buyers coming from the West Coast, Texas, um, really all over the United States are starting to flood to Asheville. And, you know, it's really because of, um, I think it's the mountains and the lifestyle that we provide.
2: Great. And what are they looking for in terms of housing? And are there any must have amenities in Asheville?
0: Everyone wants a view. We have beautiful mountains and beautiful views. So having a view is really great. Um, Proximity to downtown Asheville because of all the restaurants and shopping and um, art galleries and shows that they can go to is also um, usually high on the priority list. Um, We have really great health care as well. So um, for the older generation, being closer to uh, the hospital um, sometimes is on their list as well.
2: Great. And do you see many investors, people you know, coming in to rent, or um, is it mostly primary
0: home buyers? In the luxury market, we're seeing a lot of primary. We're seeing um, a lot of people buying a second home, and then they plan on retiring here. So um, it is a little bit of an investment because um, they're speculating about the future. And a lot of people are buying in Asheville right now because they feel like we're at such a great price point that there's only, you know, room to increase their um, quality of you know, their investment, that the investment will continue to increase uh, in the lower end. You do see some investors, but in the luxury market, it is for personal use. Gotcha. And what about you, Marshall? Are you seeing investors in Wilmington?
3: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. A beach town, right? You're gonna see investors that come in for a second home, put it in an Airbnb VRBO type program. And you know, those are still throwing anywhere from six to ten cap, right? If it's done properly. So, you know, you'll see that second home type investor who might own a hedge fund or some wealthier group that has a pile of cash that needs to park it somewhere, and they can still do a you know a nice cash flow on their return. Still come to Wilmington two, to three weeks out of the year in the summertime In the winter time. They can come here, you know, four months during the dead season and still enjoy 65, 70 degree weather and be on the beach. Um, lower end price point. Absolutely. Seeing a lot of, I guess I wouldn't say investors. We're just seeing a lot of cash buyers from up north, you know, the retirees up north, you know, in that three to five hundred thousand dollar range. You know, they are outpricing a lot of the local people here. Um, because they're outbidding them with cash versus people who are putting 10, 20% down or 5% down.
2: Right. So this is a question for both of you, but um, how are you prepping buyers to make offers in in what's still a competitive market? Marshall, maybe we'll start with you on that.
3: You know, it's, it's always different, right, as to who you're working with. And North Carolina has some very interesting Laws in place when it comes to putting offers, we have what's called a due diligence fee, which is essentially non-refundable once the home goes under contract. A lot of states don't have that, you know, so we have to, you know, teach our clients and our buyers that form of, you know, North Carolina law. And we're seeing that on a low end, you know, on a you know, let's say a four hundred thousand dollar home, five, six, ten thousand dollars. But I mean, we'll see sometimes twenty-five to one hundred thousand dollars where they're just writing the check and that goes directly to the seller. So when it comes to coaching our buyers in every price point, number one is explaining the differences between how, how North Carolina does business and other states, and then really just laying out the you know, the process and giving as much factual information as we can give them as to how the market's going. Um, but you know, every situation is different, right? I mean, if something's underpriced by 10%, my job's a lot harder because I got to explain to somebody that they got to go twelve percent above what the asking price is, and you know, vice versa, things are overpriced sometimes, and you have to pump the brakes and be honest with your clients and say, "Look, it's overpriced by five percent. Likely might sell there, but you know, it's just like I said. Every every situation is different, and you just have to be extremely careful and knowledgeable of the market so you can best win on all of your offers. Right? What
2: do you think, Laura?
0: Yeah, I, I agree with Marshall as far as um, educating the buyers not only on our contracts but the market conditions. But I am encouraging buyers to go ahead and put their best offer forward first because it is um, a competitive market. And of course, once they find the house that they love, you know, go ahead and you know go ahead and put the best offer forward.
2: And what about the flip side for sellers? How are you advising sellers to price, especially when we're, you know? We call this a transitional moment with the interest rates and cost of living rising. And, um, you know, maybe people won't be willing to pay as high prices as
0: they have with the last few years.
3: Laura, may or you, who wants to go on that one?
0: Yeah. Well, um, so right now we are not seeing a slowdown in the Asheville, Western North Carolina market. So we aren't, um, we're basing it on, you know, current comps still um, and we have a lot of cash buyers, so the interest rates are not really affecting um, a lot of our market at this particular point. And I'm sure if that changes, then we'll see some reduction in list price. But um, right now, we aren't really seeing effect of the interest rates in our current market.
3: Yeah, and I would say it's very similar to that. When when I have a listing, you know, I really pull comps and I do my best to aggressively price the home to the high side of where the comps are. Um, I'm not a fan particularly of underpricing things by 5 to 10%. Sometimes that can confuse not only the purchasers. It makes it harder on the agent to explain to their buyers that need to go 10% above asking, right? So I feel like doing the best justice for our sellers is to price things properly, maybe aggressively slightly above where the market is, But you got to be careful there, right? If the market slows down for a week or two, that can hurt you. So, again, it's just depending on what the market's doing every other week.
2: Gotcha. So, Danielle, I also want to ask you about pricing. Obviously, prices have grown so much nationally over the pandemic. Do you think that's going to continue or will rising rates
1: start to slow that down? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, And especially when you think about the combination of higher home prices and higher mortgage rates, if you add those two together in areas where people are financing their homes, the cost of housing on a monthly basis is up nearly 50% relative to one year ago. So that's a big adjustment. Um, And I think, you know, buyers are so far navigating um, that reset uh, in cost, but, but I think we are going to start to see, um, some slowdown as as buyers get to an affordability horizon uh, for a lot of them. It's interesting. We haven't seen that in the data yet. So case-shiller data out today um, actually showed an acceleration in prices. If you compare um, this month to last month, now of course case-shiller data comes out with a bit of a lag. This is March data today that was out. Um, So it is looking at the housing market with a rear view mirror. Um, But if you look at our asking price data, we continue to see That The typical asking prices across the US are climbing and climbing at a faster pace than we saw um, a year ago and then we saw even last month. Um, And then, if you look at sales data right because asking prices are one thing you know Marshall was talking about maybe having to offer over asking price we've seen a lot of that recently and i'm sure still in these hot markets in North Carolina you're seeing that in other markets. It may be that um, buyers can get away with offering asking price or maybe even a little bit below as the market shifts and and, um, people adapt to higher costs. Um, But so it's good to compare asking price and selling price data. If we look at the sales price data from NAR, for example, we see that sales prices are still up by double digits, but not accelerating. They're actually slowing down a little bit, but still growing by double digits. Long story short, home prices are up. They continue to grow. I think we're going to see a fair amount of momentum, but with mortgage rates rising, Um, We're going to see a little bit less intensity because ultimately mortgage payments have to be affordable for buyers who are taking out mortgages. And so I do think we're going to see the pace of price growth slow down, even though prices continue to grow.
3: And Leslie, I'd like to comment on the mortgage rate, too, because this is something interesting piece that not a lot of the, you know, the general public's talking about the the wealthy, you know, and the luxury home markets that have higher incomes there are tons of portfolio loans out there where their rates are still in the low fours and they got adjustable rates in the high threes. So there's a big discrepancy right now that not a lot of people are talking about where you have a conventional home buyer that's making, let's say a hundred grand a year and their rates at 5.375. But then you have a buyer at a million and a half dollar home that's making three, $400,000 a year. They got portfolio loans where they're getting adjustable rates at 375 and 30 year fixed at 4.25. So, That is actually kind of helping the luxury market stay high, right? Because those rates are still low. And then again, that buyer also is a little bit less affected by a 1% increase on a rate than somebody who's already pushing their budget as it is.
2: Right. Right. Do you think this um, volatility of the stock market could affect the luxury market more than the rising interest rates?
3: I I I believe it's going to help fuel the market. I think from what I've been seeing on purchasers buying. Uh-oh, we're,
2: we maybe have lost Marshall a little
1: bit there. I can jump in, I guess, and answer, and then maybe if he comes back, he can he can give his perspective. But so I think in the short run, in the short run, yes, I do think market volatility causes some people to pull back from um, financial markets and, and need something else to do with that money. And so real estate is a good alternative. Um, in the medium to long term, I think it can uh, lead to overall people feel less wealthy and therefore are less inclined to make major purchases like in real estate, um, or you know, can be a little bit concerned about having the money to, to make the down payment to go ahead and um, you know, conduct the transaction. So I think short run it's, it's a positive thing, but in the medium to long term, maybe a little bit more ambiguous.
2: Gotcha. Laura, do you have any thoughts about that?
0: Um, I agree, Danielle. Um, I think right now we're seeing some people pulling their money out of the stock market and investing in real estate. But if the market continues to be volatile, you know, if you if your portfolio isn't as high, you don't feel as wealthy and therefore you're more conservative on what you're purchasing.
2: Gotcha. Right.
0: And I think it could help with (laughs) the um, supply of real estate. Because people that have second and third homes, they might decide to go ahead and put their house on the market or if they aren't using it as much because now they're back to their primary home because of work situations. I think you're going to see an increase in um, the supply of real estate as well.
2: Great. Um, A lot of folks are asking about the bubble, Danielle, especially this question um, is one I'm sure you've heard a lot. Are we in a bubble? Could the bubble burst? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I do get this question a lot. So my expectation is we're going to see home prices slow. As I mentioned, you know, if you're financing a home, costs are up 50%. That's really pushing the envelope for, um, you know, the typical household. They're probably spending close to 30% of their income on housing. So, you know, can prices keep going up? Well, home prices can keep going up if mortgage rates drop, but that's not what I expect to see. Um, You know, they could also keep going up if we see income continue to rise. I do think incomes are going to grow, and I do think they're going to grow more um, than we see. Like they're going to be um, to grow above what is the historical average. At the same time, you know, they're not going to grow by double digits for the typical household. So, so I don't, I don't think income is going to drive double digit house price growth. Um, and y- another way you could solve that and see home prices continue to grow is people could spend a larger share of their income on housing, but Given how close we are to that you know typical threshold i i think it's going to be harder for people to do that especially when costs of lots of other things are going up so i think we're going to see housing prices slow as in the growth rate will slow but ultimately i do think prices are going to continue to grow you just have um, a really substantial imbalance between um, what's for sale and the number of people who are looking for homes and they don't see that going away you know very quickly Right. Um, we have
3: hey, a, can you hear me? I, I completely went out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, there, Marshall's back. Um, so we can hear you. Fortunately, Danielle um, popped in to help us answer that question, but we're glad you're back. Um, we oh. have a question from the audience. Um, Hal is asking, what is a reasonable five to 10-year rate of return on an investment? What can you expect uh, reasonably for a, in five to 10 years on, on an investment? Um Danielle, why don't we start with
1: you on that? Um, So, you know, that is a question that I have not looked at um, from the perspective of real estate data. So I don't have a great rule of thumb for real estate on this, but, you know, you would look to alternative investments, right, and stock market tends to return about 7%. So I would expect you'd you'd see something higher than that 7% rate. Um, But, uh, you know, it may be that Marshall or Laura has more particulars with respect to real estate on that question
3: yeah i can help a little bit there it's it's a loaded question right if you're in the stock market and you're looking for let's say a seven percent return that's all on paper um in real estate a lot of the funds out there are looking for anywhere between five and six percent but you know you then have to factor in the principal. you know if you're going to add debt to uh you know a piece of property you know, you have principle that the invest you know, that, that the, the tenants are paying down and then you have the appreciation of the property, right? So if you had a three hundred thousand dollar property and it goes up three percent a year and you've got nine thousand on paper, you know, you're paying down five thousand a year and if you're doing six percent return on your money, festival cash flow, you could be looking upwards to twenty percent annually. But, you know, that's more on an IRR basis than it is on what you're generally cash flowing every month. So it, it it's a hard question to really answer, and it's very hard to project something five to ten years out. You really don't know where the market's going to be. If you did it three years ago, you'd be up, what, 50, 60 percent in a couple of years. years. Right. Laura,
0: do you have any other thoughts on that? Um, I think it's it's a really hard question right now because of the current market conditions. Um, We're seeing the increase in um, demand for Asheville, but because of like what we were saying with the overall inflation and increase in interest rates, um, I think that is, you know, a little bit hard to say. I think that you could probably count on at least 5% in the Asheville market currently, but... um, you know, in five to 10 years, I'm not sure if that would stay the same or if there'd be some fluctuations in that.
2: Fair enough. Um, We also have a a few questions about Florida. Um, So maybe, Daniel, you might um, have some thoughts about the price appreciation. So Kathleen is asking um, what the prospects are for continued price appreciation in Florida, especially an undiscovered town in undiscovered towns, you know, not Miami, theoretically. And um, Bob also asked specifically about the Florida panhandle. So I, I wonder if you could speak to those.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So yes, Florida has been one of those areas where we've seen um, real estate appreciate the most. In fact, um, you know, Tampa was one of the top three markets in the Case-Shiller data today. Orlando has been one of those markets that we see prices move up a lot. And it's not just um, home prices, the rental prices in Florida markets are moving up too. And and you know, as I said, outside of the biggest cities, not just Miami, you, you know, you've got Orlando, Tampa, Jacksonville, um, the Panhandle. I am a little bit less familiar with because a lot of the major metros that we track are not there. But you've got you know Tallahassee, Pensacola. I would imagine that they are also seeing um, substantial price appreciation, largely because a lot of people are are interested in and able to move to Florida because of the flexibility um, that a lot of workers still continue to enjoy. Um, And then also you've got, you know, a wave of um, baby boomers, you know, considering retiring. And then, of course, as Florida is famous for, it's the lack of state income tax, which um, is also a big selling point. So, um, you know, if you're thinking about real estate in Florida, I think, you know, there are lots of reasons to consider it. I think another important thing to think about is things like the flood risk. Fortunately, if you want to research that information, we've got a section on uh, homes for sale on Realtor.com where you can actually see what your house's flood risk is at a property level. Um, so if you're thinking about making a transition and maybe aren't super familiar with Florida markets, I would highly recommend checking that out um, when you're when you're considering that kind of real estate.
2: Great. Well, we are almost out of time and I appreciate you all being here. Thank you so much. For joining us, and thanks to the audience for tuning in. Please join us back here tomorrow when MarketWatch Personal Finance Deputy Editor and the author of financial of the Financial Face Off column, Leslie Albrecht, joins MarketWatch Managing Editor Stephen Cuts to discuss the most interesting questions from that Financial Face Off column. And that's going to include whether it's better to buy or lease a car, or whether it's better to buy to get a cat or a dog. So that'll be interesting. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week. Take care, everyone.
0: The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.